Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to the Business Builders Show, where we feature champions in their respective industries from all over the planet. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable resources that inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to talk about Power Up Your People, and we'll do that with Janet L. Walsh. Now, Janet is the CEO and president of Birchtree Global. In 1999, she founded Birchtree Global and brought her skills as an HR VP and global HR director, growing billion-dollar multinationals to small to medium-sized companies, giving them a world-class competitive advantage. She's worked in 81 countries in all 50 U.S. states, top and bottom-line HR infrastructure and programs for small and medium-sized growing businesses. Janet, it's fantastic to have you here with us to share your beautiful knowledge. Well, thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here, Bill. Tell us who do you serve specifically? We serve small and medium-sized companies across a wide you know, set of industries. Right now, technology, energy manufacturing, manufacturing services, and education are growing very much domestically and internationally. So that would zero in a little teeny bit. So these people, I'm sure, share some problems. And those problems are what and how, and, and then you solve them. Then I'll ask you next how you go about actually solving the problems you're going to articulate here. Well, the, the kind of problems that we solve are usually companies are expanding internationally and they have legal and tax questions about the relationship, you know, between their parent company and foreign employees, uh, companies that want to come into the U.S. and set up operations, companies that want to set up operations overseas and they need help and putting that strategy together. We work with companies, you know, that are growing and really need to expand their HR operations, particularly if they want to increase their financial performance. We do a deep dive into financial performance and human capital operations and help companies increase, you know, the effectiveness of their HR operations. We also, since a number of us do some part-time teaching at universities, we have access to virtually every printed word. So if companies are looking for high quality, fact-based research, we can put that together for them. And then on the HR side, companies that are looking to improve their employee engagement, companies that have turnover issues, companies that need, you know, to create an executive compensation plan, or companies that want to put together a training program for, you know, their, their employees. Maybe they're expanding internationally and their employees are all domestic, and this helps them understand what their new job is going to be. So Janet, to tell us kind of how you and your company go about solving these problems, maybe you could remember a, a case study of somebody, some company, and kind of, I'd like to know, you know, how they found you, how they articulated their problem, how you did your deep dive and how you solved it. And then what were the results of after you've done the work that you do? Well, one of the biggest projects that we have worked on was with ADP. ADP has a lot of senior executives. These are people that work with companies in the, you know, up to, you know, perhaps $1 billion and, and up. 
these are companies with 100,000 people, something you know, like that. And the problem is, is that when you get a call from ADP, there's been a lot of resistance to taking the call. I don't, you know. And then on top of it, the ADP executives that you're, that's calling on you as a business a lot of times you know, wants to talk to the finance person because they had added in their heads that the HR people couldn't, you know, weren't the final decision maker. And of course, all of that is not quite right. So they found us by looking online and found we had a recommendation and they called us and asked us what kind of program we could put together for a global business that was expanding internationally they wanted to increase the ability of their senior executives to connect with the C-suite. These are senior executives that sell to these big companies, right. manage those operations. And they wanted help in teaching them what it was like to be in the C-suite. How did decisions get made? Uh, you know, For example, if I had a, a million-dollar signing authority, I could write a check for up to a million dollars. But a global payroll system, for example, is going to cost maybe $2 million. So I'd have to get a countersign by the head of finance, which was kind of why everybody wanted to talk to the finance person because the HR person would say, I need the finance person to sign off on this. And, you know, the the ADP people are thinking, oh, we got to go over there. And as such, they weren't always as engaged with the HR VP as they needed to be because that was really the decision maker, complete decision maker. So... We put together a training program. We brought in to teach the program a number of senior executives. The ex-president of Unisys came in, folks from really across the spectrum in senior leadership positions that could talk to them about what that meant. We put together a 150-page workbook. We put together a, a global training program. And then we went all around the world teaching folks the program. And then at the end, they had to do a case study where they were in teams of one or two people. They had to do the case study. And then to make it really realistic, they had to make their presentation to, you know, a CEO from a, you know, billion dollar and up company with multi-million, you know, dollars and activities and things like that. So it's very directly related to exactly what they needed to know. And then they you know, practiced what they were supposed to know in front of a typical kind of client for them. So it was a huge hit. We had uh, 100% customer satisfaction from everyone that went through it. There were, I guess, about 100 people that went through it. That's a fantastic story. And I think you probably have answered a bit about my next question. You're uh, in a very competitive space. Some companies are enormously large. So how do you guys differentiate yourself from all that competition out there? Well, we're, ag- we're product agnostic. So we drive our solution directly based on what our client's strategy is. So instead of coming in and saying, Bill, you want to expand globally here, you need an employer of record. That's a solution. That's not a strategic solution. The strategic solution would be, Bill, tell me about your strategy. How do you compete? You know, what are your, what, what are your strategic objectives? Do you have a SWOT analysis, supporters, five forces, blue ocean strategy? Let's talk a little bit about that. And then what do you want to do? How are you going to be competitive? 
And then we talk about, well, you know, for $35, you can set up an operation with just a couple of people, you know, directly build to, you know, that office in that particular country, I'm thinking the UK at the moment, you know, something like that, if, if that works to enhance your strategy. So we're very focused on uh, understanding our client's strategy and then making everything work for them so they can, they can be very successful and reduce risk, improve their operating efficiency, increase their financial performance, et cetera. Beautiful. Yeah, I definitely knew that you were different. And that's, I think you really nailed it there, uh, being strategically aligned versus here's a bunch of tactics you can try. Uh, and hopefully they'll work their right off the shelf here, right there behind me, A to Z. So let's let's kind of change, I like to change your hat a bit and, and have you switch into being a professor at a business school. So tell us about how you built Birchtree. I'd like to maybe kind of have you go through some of the major milestones, how you assembled your management team, how you develop your strategy annually. And uh, as you go through your story, then I'll ask you a couple of probing questions, if I may. So when did things start? What was the catalyst, Janet, to make you become an entrepreneur instead of a corporate exec? Well, I had been head of global HR for the Mead Corporation, and I knew the company was going to merge. So I knew that I was going to be part of a, a much larger organization, and I wasn't sure that the kinds of jobs that I was being offered were, were something that I wanted to do. My job as global HR, head of global HR, meant that I traveled all around the world, and I set up operations. I, I would hire the president. I would make sure we had, you know, the people in the in the business. I would put together the employee infrastructure, do the tax, you know, work on the tax side and the legal side, etc. So I was on a state visit to China. It was one of the first state visits for women in China, business in China, and it, it had been a long trip and it had been very entertaining, and our hosts were lovely. And at the end of the trip. We celebrated at the, decided to go to, to a, a restaurant and talk about, you know, all the things that we had done and, and things like that. So we decided to, you know, sort of hit on the Hard Rock Cafe. So we went into the Hard Rock Cafe. We were sitting down having meals and my call, I talked, told my colleagues that I was thinking about doing something different. And they said, you should be, a, you know, you should do this type of a, uh, you should be a consultant. One of the people was a consultant. And at any rate, she, she convinced me that that was not something that was out of, out of bounds. And adult beverages were also involved. So this might've had something to do with it. But I saved a year's salary. I bankrolled myself and, and set up the business when the, the company merged. They, they offered me a nice job in Alabama. But, you know, once you, you've been in Paris and all Rome and all these other places that I, I didn't want to work in Alabama at the time. So we set up operations and I began to advertise and work with people. I was a member of the World Trade Center Association. I was on the board of the World Trade Center and began to doing projects there. I led the first economic development trip from the World Trade Center to Cairo and Egypt and just began to focus on 
you know, developing the kind of business that I wanted to have when I was working internationally. I wanted to talk to somebody who could help me with my strategy and find the right solution. So we worked with a wide variety of clients. That was a big milestone. Another good thing that I did was to put together a group of executives to advise me, a board of advisors, as it were. It's headed with, up by Jim McGurk, who was the Unisys president. We have, you know, some terrific people in that on my board of advisors. And they really, uh, you know, have the experience and the exp expertise working internationally. And they offer good advice and you know, go over our strategic plan for the year and so forth. So that's been kind of our, our journey. We, we've done a lot of work in different sectors and in different parts of the world, you know, depending on how the economics change. So, for example, now you see some companies in the auto manufacturing area moving into Mexico from China, which is good because we've got on the ground experience in both of those locations. And uh, so it's a little bit about what we've done. So tell us, tell me a bit about your senior leadership team or your senior management team. How do you run your business day to day, month to month? We are divided into a couple of different areas: marketing, sales. We're looking for a salesperson, as, as a matter of fact. We also have a, a person that does sort of general office work and can do reports and material stuff like that. We have some attorneys that work with us. We have a brand person that works with us and learning management system. And then an HR person who's getting ready to come on board. Next oh, beautiful. So what's holding you back right now, Janet? Not enough coffee, <laughs> especially today. <laughs> so how can our listeners get a hold of you? Well, for information, they can look at our website, which is birchtreeglobal.com. They can contact me at Walsh at birchtreeglobal.com. And then we're also on LinkedIn and Facebook and have a lot of material there. Beautiful. Beautiful. So what's the one question that I should have asked and I didn't? And what's the answer to that one? I think, you know, the one question, when I look at, when I look at business as a as a challenge, as a, as a way to solve, you know, a corporate strategy. One of the things that occurs to me is that small and medium-sized companies really should think about increasing the performance of their human capital. I don't think small, medium-sized companies really understand the cost to them of human capital. So if company leaders should have an HR strategic plan, it should show a clear line of sight between the company strategy and the corporate metrics and their HR operations. You know, in a hospital, for example, a key me metric is infection rate per patient, which is negatively affected by employee turnover. So if you've got a lot of turnover in your hospital, you're, you've got a, a potential issue in, in your infection rate and you're evaluated on your infection rate. So the hospital needs to know that statistic so they can address those issues effectively. So linking your HR strategic plan with your business strategy, I think, is a critical component and pays for itself financially when you do it right. So when you mentioned that most business, most businesses, most business owners don't really have a firm grasp on the cost or of their human capital resources, can you give us some? Come insight, Janet, into some of the areas that 
aren't typically included. I mean, I, I thought your sure. your point about turnover infection rate relationship in a hospital was good, really insightful. So how about a couple of other examples that people tend to overlook when they think about the cost of, of human capital? Yeah, you have top line, you have bottom line, and you have risk. In a okay. So when you're talking about top line, what are you doing in your public press <coughs> in your public presence to attract and retain really top talent what do you, well, how how are you doing that in your company that's the that's the top line you've got to have the experience and the expertise to deliver you know the product or the service to the customer you want the customer to be satisfied do you have the right people doing that are you investing in the people that have the skills that you need to do that and the second is, of course, bottom line savings. Say you're a private equity firm and you've got a couple of different companies that you're stewarding. You know, do they all have the same payroll system? Do they all have the same insurance or insurance systems? By combining things like that, you can significantly reduce your costs. You know, the cost for two for ten people you know, for insurance is a lot more that, you know, per person than it is if you combine everybody and, you know, you get a cost for 150 people, you know, per person. Mm -hmm. um, so that, and then also from a risk perspective, if you don't understand some of the laws that you have to face as a, as a business, and there are 42 laws in the city of, if you're looking at Denver, Colorado, okay. and the city, state, and county where Denver is, is located, there are about 42 laws that pertain to human resources, including federal laws that you have to follow. Do you know all those? And if you don't, then, you know, you've got some, some risk in that area. You could be fined, you could be shut down. There's a number of things, but those are three areas that human capital contributes to top line costs, bottom line, top line performance, bottom line costs and risk and risk reduction. Okay, I love that. I love that. You've always, our entire conversation, you've been very strategic about what you've talked about. I really, uh, I really like that a lot. So thanks, Janet, very much. Well, thank you for having me, Bill. You are welcome. And our listeners, look, in closing, let's focus on this single fact, and that is that our businesses do not become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first learning and then applying a proven combination of having the right mindset of a dedication to a system of management. And number three, leveraging high performance teams, which Janet hammered into our heads very well today. So Janet, once again, thanks very much. Well, thank you very much, Bill, for having me.